Hello and welcome to the Mountain Brook Baptist Project 119 Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Mary and it's my pleasure to join you in reading God's Word. Today is Sunday, October 29th. Happy Resurrection Day. We have lots going on here at church today. Remember one service at 9 a.m. It's a combined service followed by a special time where we'll hear from Dr. Bo Adams. That will be in Heritage Hall. Children will have Sunday school, but all adults are invited to come and learn more about the King James Version of the Bible and the Reformation and how important it is that each of us has a Bible in our own hands. So look forward to Dr. Bo Adams. This is the son of Richard Adams, and he was with us last year. Uh, Can't wait to hear from him. And then at 5 p.m., remember the concert by the corner room and dinner. Um, We are also entering a new book today. Super excited. I got back on the Bible Project website. That is such an important website that helps us to understand the context of Scripture. And it was talking about the book of Mark as a whole. And I thought about something Jen Wilkin teaches. When she starts a new book, she says, we need to read the envelope. So in other words, who's it written by? Who's it written to? What's it about? When was it written? And where was it written? So I'm going to try to do that quickly for you. Who is the gospel of Mark written by? Well, you're like, duh, it was written by Mark. But in one of my commentaries, I read more about John Mark. The commentary says that the Mark under consideration is evidently John Mark, son of the woman named Mary, in whose house the early church gathered in Jerusalem. The same dwelling was apparently the site of the Last Supper. We don't know for sure. In the New Testament, John Mark appears only in association with more prominent personalities and events. He accompanied Barnabas and Saul as an assistant on the first missionary journey, evidently being responsible for travel arrangements, food, and lodging. So maybe he had the gift of organization. We're going to see that as he... Um, designs this gospel. At Perga, he quit the journey for undisclosed reasons. Do you remember that? In Acts 13, 13, there was kind of some contention over whether they should, should allow Mark to go on further trips. The question whether Mark should participate in the second missionary journey is approximately A.D. 50, caused a rift between Paul and Barnabas. Paul, considering Mark's desertion in the first journey, unjustifiable and being unwilling to take him on a second journey, took Silas and returned to Asia Minor, whereas Barnabas returned to Cyprus with Mark. John Mark is not heard of again until a decade later when scattered references show him reconciled to Paul. A final New Testament reference shows him laboring with Peter in Rome. According to patristic tradition, Mark evangelized in Egypt and there established churches characterized by asceticism and philosophic rigor, eventually becoming the first bishop of Alexandria. So if you think about it, Mark was totally in the scene with Peter, with Barnabas, with Paul. He's learning about Jesus from these prominent individuals who were apostles. Okay, so that's who the the letter is from. Who's it to? Well, we think it is to Gentiles, specifically maybe a Roman 
Gentiles. Who, what, what is it? It's a gospel. Do you know what the word gospel means? You got it right. Good news. And Mark 1.1 says this is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But the interesting thing about Mark is from Mark 1 to Mark 8, he doesn't come out and say, I'm the Son of God. And those who recognize Jesus as the Messiah or the Son of God are the demons or even those who are Gentiles. But at his crucifixion, the first person to say, wow, this must be the Messiah, is a Roman soldier. Okay, who, what, when? We think sometime around 68 AD. So um, it's not clear. Nobody really knows. But a lot of smart people have come together and think it's probably, you know, within 30 years, uh, well, 35 years of when Christ ascended into heaven. One other note that I wanted to make is that the Gospel of Mark has a very abrupt ending, and the Bible Project says that this is intentional, that Mark emphasizes the shocking claim that the crucified and risen Jesus is the Messiah. And the lack of closure forces us to ask, are we going to run away or are we going to recognize the crucified Jesus as our King? And so with those things in mind, let us read from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And now let us move over to the Psalms. Psalm 62. My soul waits for God alone. To the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm. Of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? 
They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Thank you for listening along as we read God's Word together. I'm so excited about getting into the Gospel of Mark. I think it is my favorite gospel, and I'm excited about this stretch of the Psalms as well. Um, Going back to verse 5, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is in Him. Then it gives us some talking points when we're talking about the character of God. He is our rock. He is our fortress. Let me see here. He is our salvation. And then at the end, it reminds us of two of the main characteristics of God. Power belongs to God and steadfast love belongs to him. May that impact the way that we pray. Would you bow your head with me? Father, we are astounded that you allow us sinners to be called your children. Thank you, Lord, most powerful creator of all, for considering us your own and for looking on us like you look at Jesus, your beloved servant. Thank you for your steadfast love. Thank you that when we falter, you do not fall, that you stand faithful. Help us, Lord, in this life to be faithful. We confess to you that oftentimes we stray. We say things we ought not. We don't say things we should. And yet, Lord, there is grace at the table for us. So we pray, Lord, that you would forgive us and you would help us to be a people who forgive others. And Lord, we just want to relish in the fact that our hope is in you. You're our fortress. You're our strong tower. Whatever we face today, we do not face it alone, but by the power of your Holy Spirit, we face it with Jesus interceding on our behalf and you, Father, loving us so dearly. And so we thank you for that. And we thank you for a perspective that is eternal and heavenly. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.